Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers and this week's show again comes to you from Kigali in Rwanda, where the 2016 African Nations Championship is at the quarter-final stage. The hosts Rwanda have a difficult game against DR Congo, but they are hopeful. We're already achieving and we believe we're good enough to keep going on in this tournament and that's the aim and we'll take it game by game. We also speak to the coach of Ethiopia, Johannes Satley, as his side were knocked out in the group stage. You know, we had only seven, eight days preparation to come out here, but other countries, have, they took it seriously. Plus, we asked the Confederation of African Football if Africa will be uniting behind a single candidate in the upcoming FIFA presidential election. And we catch up with how the African players are doing in England. And as Didier Drogba says that he's not returning to Chelsea this season, will he ever go back to the Blues in some capacity? So it's no real surprise to me, but I don't think this means that Drogba will not return to Chelsea at some stage in the future. That's all coming up on the show. Well, I'm still in Kigali, the capital of Rwanda. The 2016 African Nations Championship continues here. It's the fourth edition of the tournament, which was introduced in 2009 as a version of the Africa Cup of Nations for home-based players only, with the aim of showcasing the talent of those who play in their own domestic leagues. Rwanda continues to put on a great show with excellent crowds at most of the games, but the hosts have a very difficult match on Saturday as they face 2009 champions DR Congo in the quarterfinals here in Kigali. The stadium is sure to be absolutely packed. Rwanda won their first two group games and then lost 4-1 to Morocco in their final group match as they fielded a second-string squad. Rwanda's coach is 30-year-old Johnny McKinstry from Britain. He previously had a short spell as Sierra Leone coach. And I asked him about the amazing run that Rwanda's Ama Vubi are on. I think outside of Rwanda, nobody would have expected Rwanda to make it out of this group. We are one of the lowest-ranked teams in the competition. I think only two other teams are ranked lower than us with FIFA. So for us to make it out of this group of some giants of African football is, is an achievement in itself. No Rwandan team has ever made it to the knockout phases of a, of a major competition. So we're already achieving. And we believe we're good enough to keep going on in this tournament. And that's the aim. And we'll take it game by game. It's amazing you put such confidence in such young players. Your back four, for example, are 19, 20, 21 years old. Yeah, um, Rwanda, a few years ago, obviously in 2011, they made it to the Under-17 World Cup, and now you're seeing a lot of those players in their early 20s now. Now, we've got a choice. Do we go with the highly skilled and technical player who's young, or do we go with an older player who's maybe not quite as talented? And, you know, for me, I've always been a believer if you're good enough, you're old enough. Um, and even though there's young players like Emery Bayasenge, for example, you know, he's only 21, but he's got 25, 26 caps for the national team already. So they're young players. And, you know, this competition's excellent for young players like that because hopefully some of them get the opportunity to go and play outside because scouts will be coming here and they'll look at the age of our players and go, wow, 18, 19, 20, there's potential in him, there's great value in him. So hopefully that'll, that'll happen after the tournament. That's Rwanda coach Johnny McKinstry. And it is likely that some of his players will attract the attention of the scouts here. 
Rwanda has an exciting young squad, but it will be a tough quarter-final against DR Congo. Other quarter-finals this weekend, Cote d'Ivoire play Cameroon. Remember, we heard from a Cameroon before the tournament and heard that expectations were not very high. But they've gone through to the quarter-finals in style, with two wins and a draw, including a 3-1 win over DR Congo. Other games on Sunday, Tunisia play Mali and Zambia take on Guinea. Well, eight teams have been knocked out at the group stage, and among them are Ethiopia, who finished bottom of Group B with one draw and two defeats. Ethiopia were a founding member of the Confederation of African Football, along with Egypt and Sudan. The three teams played at the 1957 Africa Cup of Nations, with Egypt winning and Ethiopia second. Ethiopia qualified nine times for the Nations Cup between 1957 and 1982, but they had a long wait for their tenth appearance, which came 31 years later in 2013. They went out at the group stage there in South Africa, but 2013 was a memorable year for Ethiopia, as they finished top of a World Cup qualifying group ahead of South Africa, and made it to the final qualifying round, losing though to Nigeria 4-1 on aggregate. But 2014, 2015, and now 2016 have not been so successful as they failed to make it to the 2016 Nations Cup and then went out at the group stage, as I say here at the African Nations Championship. Well, after their exit here, I spoke to Ethiopia's coach Johannes Satle and asked for his reflections on taking part in the tournament. First of all, you know, we really appreciate our players uh, to make it to. To be one of the 16 teams in Africa to come to this Chan tournament because a lot of uh, big-time countries didn't make it, like Algeria and Egypt and South Africa and Ghana, Libya. All those countries didn't make it, but we made it. So for that, you know, we appreciate the work that the players uh, they done. But once we came out here, also there are things that we have to learn, and we learned something. That is one of them is having good preparation. You know, we had only seven, eight days preparation to come out here, but other countries have—they took it seriously. They stayed, you know, for a month or something like that, and have three, five friendly match. We had only one friendly match. Those things, I think, hurt us because we have some also very young players, 17 years old guys, did not even play in our country in a Premier League. We took them out from the youth team.、Uh, there are some guys playing in Division Two level. Who's playing, you know,、uh, for the national team? We brought a team. It's mixed:、uh, some、uh, experienced player and some younger players. So I think it's good for us now. The future looks better for Ethiopia because now the young guys are coming out. They seen the competition, the level.、Uh, in the future, we have to do a better preparation. We just don't have to come for competition. Give us a picture of where Ethiopian football is right now, because 2013 was a big milestone when you qualified for the Africa Cup of Nations. The last couple of years, have they lived up to the promise of 2013?、Uh, you know, we're still waiting. You know, for African Cup、uh, competition, we're still waiting.、Uh, we have played two games. We won one and we tied one game. So the future will tell where we're going. But one thing that I see is. The guys those played in 2013,、uh, three, four guys retired from the national team. Two, three guys, the level of playing went down. So we're bringing almost half of the team new guys did not have any experience. I think to me, 
during 2013, when we were competing, we should also take care of us at time. We knew that some of the guys, they're getting older. They're going to play only in club level, but they're not going to play in the national team. We should prepare a replacement for them. We didn't do that. So from 2013, right away, when we came, we should at that time try to replace the older guys with experience, but we didn't do that. Now we're still competing. Uh, we, as I said, we won one game, we tied one game, so we're still in it. That's what we're doing right now. That's Ethiopia coach Johannes Satle talking about the team's group stage exit here at the African Nations Championship in Rwanda and with an overview of where the team is. And Solomon, really you can say the team didn't make further progress after that great year in 2013. Steve, I really do feel that Ethiopia's uh, national football team has really not made any sort of progress since that great run in South Africa during the Africa Cup of Nations in 2013. Ethiopia really showed uh, what they're capable of doing and they had great support and crowd behind them. Though they got kicked out in the first round, uh, but they, they showed a lot of uh, uh, promises in, in 2013. So they, they've been progressing, but it's just unfortunate that they came to the championship in Rwanda and not been able to get good results. I expected them to do better because, you know, looking at the Chan Championship, you play with local-based players and Ethiopia, I feel their league is, is growing. You know, clubs like St. George's in Addis Ababa, and they've been doing well, but it's really unfortunate that they've not been able to do that. I feel they need to look at administration. They need to look at really preparation. Yes, so maybe Ethiopia would have performed better here if their preparations had been sounder. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter. The handle is at Planet Sport FA. You can keep in touch with news about the show and African football news at Planet Sport FA, the Twitter handle. Our website is planetsportfootballafrica.com. You can listen to the programme on the website and find out more about the team. The website planetsportfootballafrica.com. Well, still to come, we ask the Confederation of African Football if Africa will be uniting behind a single candidate in the upcoming FIFA presidential election. The calf point has been known since the months of August. The executive committee has said they will take time to decide on the matter. So that's coming up. We're here in Kigali in Rwanda. We're having really good weather, not too hot, mid to high 20s and uh, rain on many days. I'm on the balcony of my hotel room looking across the hills and valleys of this hilly country. And at night it's a really spectacular view because Kigali is densely populated. So there are houses all the way up the hills. So at night the hills and valleys will be sparkling with lights from the houses. Well, more from Rwanda later, but now let's focus on African players in the English Premier League and join our European football expert, Stuart Weir. It's Leicester still on top of the table. Uh, down near the bottom, Swansea got a valuable 2-1 win away to Everton. And a great game there, Stuart, for Ghana captain Andre Ayew. Well, yes, Ayew not only won a penalty, which Sigurdsson scored, but he then scored the second goal as well. And that was an excellent win for Swansea, lifting them out of the relegation area. The only blot in the landscape, I suppose, is that the Gambian, Motobaro, sat on the Swansea bench for 90 minutes and was unused. But I suppose if they won the game, we can't complain too much. 
Now, Manchester United lost at home to Southampton, and it's just unbelievable. This was the 10th out of 11 games that Manchester United had played a first half without getting a goal, and they played the whole game without getting a goal. And Charlie Austin, who had just signed for Southampton, who'd been on the pitch for only eight minutes, headed the winning goal with three minutes left of the match. Now, interestingly, the man of the match, according to the BBC, was Victor Wanyama, the Kenyan, who made six significant interceptions, and found his man with 83% of his passes. Another impact of that game is that there are now stronger rumours than ever that Louis van Gaal's days at Manchester United are very much numbered. Watford beat Newcastle, a very significant win for them, and, of course, Odeon Ogallo, surprise, surprise, scored their first goal. It was his 14th goal of the season. It was just at the beginning of the second half, 44 seconds into the second half, which apparently is the third quickest second half goal ever scored in the Premiership. Bet you didn't know that, Steve. And Igalo has now scored seven goals in his last seven Premier League appearances at home. And another interesting factor is that his teammate Dini has created six of his seven goals. There was a remarkable game between Norwich and Liverpool. Now, Norwich went 3-1 up. Then Liverpool went 4-3 up, then 4-all, and then Liverpool won it right at the end. Cameroon, Sebastian Basson getting the equaliser at 4-all. And the remarkable thing with that game is that the Norwich equaliser came in the 92nd minute and then Liverpool won it with a goal in the 95th minute. And now something very strange has been happening because we've had a spate of high-scoring games with late goals. For example, when Bournemouth and Everton drew three all, Barkley scored in the 95th minute, and then Stanislaw in the 98th minute, eight minutes into stoppage time. And again, when Chelsea drew with Everton, John Terry got the equaliser again eight minutes into stoppage time. And there have been several other games like the Manchester United-Newcastle one when Dumont equalised in stoppage time. So don't leave early in the Premiership is the moral, I think. Right, so lots of late goals then in the English Premier League. Now, there had been speculation that uh, Ivory Coast and Chelsea great Didier Drogba was going to leave American Major League Soccer side Montreal Impact, where he's a player, and to return to Chelsea shortly as a part of the technical team. But uh, that doesn't look as though it's going to happen now. Well, no, I mean, to be honest, I never thought this would happen, uh, Steve, because uh, Drogba is under contract to Montreal, And so, therefore, it could only have happened if they were willing to release him. Certainly, Hoos Hiddink said he would like to have uh, Drogba there as an assistant coach. But given that Hiddink, he's only in temporary charge, to me, it would seem a strange move for Drogba to come and be an assistant to somebody he knows is going to leave. So it was no real surprise to me, but I don't think this means that Drogba will not return to Chelsea at some stage in the future. I think there's a lot of love between the two of them, and so it could well happen. Right, so we'll be following any developments on that one. Now, on Monday, Ghana international Christian Atsu or Atsu joined Spanish side Malaga on loan from Chelsea for the rest of the season. The 24-year-old player of the tournament at the 2015 Nations Cup spent the first half of the season on loan at Bournemouth but didn't start any games there for the Cherries. So is this a good move for Atsu? 
I mean, for me, Atsu is, is a real enigma because, I mean, he's played 42 times for Ghana. He was outstanding in the Africa Cup of Nations, but he just has not cut it with any of the clubs he's played for in Europe. I mean, he's never got on the pitch for Chelsea. He was on loan at Bournemouth and got 10 minutes in the League Cup when they don't pick their strongest side. He was at Everton. He got one start and four substitute appearances. And, I mean, really, his career at club level, where, of course, where he earns his money, is in danger of petering out. You know, he's had good contracts at Chelsea and on loan. But, I mean, he's just simply not playing. So I think this is a make-or-break time for him. Malaga, of course, are middle of the table. So he ought to have a chance of getting on the pitch there. But he's really got to get out and do it. And, I mean, his confidence, I'd have thought, can't be that high since literally he's played 10 minutes competitive football in the last six months. But, again, we'll certainly follow with interest how he gets on at Malaga. Malaga is a nice club, small town. I've actually been to their stadium to watch. I remember sitting on a very hard stone uh, step, but, uh, you know, that was my problem, not theirs. And so it'll be interesting to see what he can do there. Well, we hope that it does work out for Christian Achu at Malaga in Spain. Thanks for that, Stuart. There's a story from the English Premier League that we'd love to hear your views on on Facebook and WhatsApp this week because Crystal Palace have signed Togo striker Emmanuel Adebayor on a free transfer until the end of the season. Adebayor is 31. He was available after being released by Tottenham in September. He scored 94 Premier League goals for Spurs, Arsenal and Manchester City but his last appearance came on the 3rd of May last year, where he played just six minutes as a substitute. So he's been getting paid $143,000 a week by Tottenham for not playing. Crystal Palace are the third lowest scorers in the league, so they do need a striker. They've given Adebayor an incentive-based contract that could lead to the club paying his full wages if he is a success, but he'll be getting around $100,000 a week in the meantime. So what do you think? Is this a good move? And will Emmanuel Adebayor make an impact at Crystal Palace? Send us a WhatsApp on this to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Now, on last week's show, we had the final part of our profile of Arsenal manager Arsene Wenger. And we heard that his philosophy is that it's more important to win with style than just to win. He believes in exciting the fans and giving them something beautiful to watch. Other managers, such as Jose Mourinho, have a reputation of aiming to win at all costs, even if the football's not entertaining. So we asked, what do you think? Is it important to win with style, or is it just the result that counts? Well, Duruchidi Reginald got in touch from the Gambia. He says for the majority of football fans, winning is what counts because when you win, it motivates the whole team as well as the fans. But when you entertain without winning, it brings down the spirits of everybody involved. From Namibia, Paulus David says, I'm a Manchester United fan and Van Hal's style doesn't deserve to win anything. And that's a reference, I think, to United playing in a style that many fans say is boring. Uh, Albert Kadzome is from Malawi. He says, of course, stylish football is good for us viewers, but it's the result that matters. Wenger's philosophy is good, but I'd love it if he followed Barcelona's approach because they play good football and they produce results. 
And Alfred Mdimba, also in Malawi, agrees, saying simply winning in style matters to us fans. Alan M.J. Campbell from Sierra Leone says winning with style is a good thing because it entertains the fans. That's why Barcelona and Bayern Munich are the best teams in the world. It attracts attention and wins over more fans. Gemo is from Cameroon. He now lives in South Korea, and Gemo is a fan of Arsene Wenger. He says, I recognise that results are vital when it comes to football, and that's the way most people remember the games and how managers and coaches keep their jobs nowadays. However, I think that winning with style is the best way to entertain the fans. I agree with Wenger's system, and that's why I'm also a humongous fan of Barcelona's philosophy. But uh, Ghana's fan, Sana Jone in the Gambia, just wants to see his team win something. Sana says, as an Arsenal fan, I think sometimes Wenger's philosophy is wrong. We need results to win the league. Ebrima Conte shares a similar view. For me, I like Wenger as a person, but I don't think his philosophy is worth it, he says. I like Mourinho's style because in football, what matters at the end is winning the trophy. So for me, style doesn't matter. It's the trophy that counts. And we had several comments that football is described as the beautiful game, so it needs to be played beautifully. Abdu Boye from the Gambia says, This is my take on the beautiful game. Football unites people around the world every day, rich or poor. The game makes everyone equal. It stirs the imagination. It can make people happy and make them sad. Sana Balde and the Gambia says, Beautiful football is so vital. It makes the game interesting. The Gunners, Barcelona and Paris Saint-Germain play attractive football, but ultimately it is the results that matter. And we'll leave the final words on this topic to Efrathar Kamanga in Malawi. He says, as we Africans just love to win, it doesn't matter how, provided you score goals and get the points. And uh, like many listeners, Cherno Jallo in the Gambia has been following the African Nations Championship here in Rwanda. I must confess, says Cherno, I'm very surprised seeing my favourite team, Nigeria, being eliminated at the group stage. But I must say kudos to the Silly Nationale of Guinea for their exceptional performance. Yes, Guinea through to the quarterfinals after beating Nigeria 1-0 in their final group game. And finally, Gay Floor Aku in Liberia got in touch on Facebook he says, this is my first encounter with Planet Sport Football Africa. I love Planet Sport. Well, thank you very much, Gay Floor, for your kind words, and it's good to hear that you're enjoying the show. So this week on Facebook and WhatsApp, uh, we'd love to know what you think about Togo great Emmanuel Adebayor joining Crystal Palace. Is it a good move? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero, or log on to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and you're always welcome to comment on any football issue that you like. Now, here in Rwanda, we have numerous influential figures in African football watching the games. They're here to follow the African Nations Championship and to meet next week for a CAF Executive Committee meeting. We've also had some of the five contenders for the FIFA presidency here to try to gain support. The FIFA elections take place on the 26th of February and the leaders of the national football federations will cast their votes to decide who should replace Sepp Blatter. There is one African in the race, that's South Africa's Tokyo Sequale. Also there, the UEFA General Secretary Gianni Infantino and former FIFA Deputy Secretary General Jerome Champan. Asia has Prince Ali of Jordan and Sheikh Salman from Bahrain. He's the head of the Asian Football Federation. 
Now, two weeks ago, Sheikh Salman and the CAF president Isa Hayatu signed a four-year cooperation agreement, where the two federations will work together on football development. They say there's nothing more to it, but Prince Ali claimed that it means that Africa and Asia will support a single candidate for the FIFA presidential elections, which will give that candidate a hundred votes, almost half of the votes. And indeed, Sheikh Salman is the leading contender if there is a pact between Africa and Asia. Well, I spoke to the Confederation of African Football's media director, Junior Binyam, and asked him if Africa has a preferred candidate for the FIFA presidential elections. The calf point has been known since the month of August. The executive committee has said they will take time to decide on the matter and back up the candidate. They will consider it's the best one for Africa, considering what Africa is needing and what are the expectations. Of African Football Association, and we are still one month to go to the election, so it's enough time to still make their mind, and、uh, many things can happen in between. We have an CAFEX committee on the 5th of February here in Kigali, so let's see. Maybe there will be something said at that occasion, but even at the eve of the election,、uh, you still have time to say in、uh, which direction you are going or you are not going. So there is no need to rush、uh, about that matter. Now, I think what is most important for CAF. Is the tournament going on? So we have to run our day-to-day businesses first. Our main focus is not FIFA election. And just finally, last Saturday, CAF President Issa Hayatu authorized a delegation of powers to the CAF, the two CAF vice presidents,、uh, to be in charge of relations between CAF and other federations, and to be responsible for conducting the African delegates at the FIFA Congress. Does this mean that?、Uh, CAF will be telling the presidents of the different African federations who to vote for. But、uh, usually there is a common position, there is a direction given. After that, at the end of the day, each president of federation can decide alone with his conscience just to go left or right. But they will surely be at a point uh, uh, come together. You have that confederation meetings that are held on the eve of the congress. There will be a come together, but what has been done by President Ayatu, as you know, is the acting president of FIFA. So he didn't want to get involved in what's going on in Africa now that we are getting in the last phase of,、uh, of, of the electoral process, and that's why that delegation of power was made on the 16th of,、uh, of January, basically. I was speaking there to the CAF media director Junior Binyam. So Solomon, what do you make of this? Which way do you see the FIFA elections going? And will Africa back South Africa's Tokyo Sequale? Steve, I really don't see、uh, Africa backing Tokyo Sequale because we haven't seen any public acceptance of Tokyo Sequale by the head of.、Uh, Football associations across the continent, including、uh, Confederation of African Football,、uh, we ha- need to see the Confederation of African Football coming out publicly and saying, "Look, we're in support of our only African candidate, Toko Sukwale.、Uh, he has visited them, I know, in in Egypt to、uh, tender his、uh, manifesto.、Uh, he has the support of the South Africa Football Association, which is great. But we need the whole continent to support him. And by the look of things,、uh, going under. News making the rounds that actually the African、uh, Confederation of African Football is only supporting Sheikh Salman bin Ibrahim Al Khalifa, and、uh, sometimes you know the Confederation of African Football just go with whoever they feel、uh, is okay for them. And I do hope this will be a time for the Confederation of African Football to really consider 
and, and this is the time to really support African candidate and to say, look, let's look at Tokyo Sokwale's African uh, candidacy and let's try to see how we could help him and let's try to present the best possible African candidate. But I really don't see him really even getting uh, 50% of the votes from Africa. And there are strong candidates in Prince Ali uh, who came second to Sir Blatter in the last election. So we have to be there and just wait and, and see how, how it's going to go. Uh, he, he has presented himself and he's gone around that is Toko Sokwale. But come February the 26th, that's when we're going to find out who really is uh, going to be the new president. But we we do hope that Africa will make a statement and Africa would really uh, be out there to represent, uh, you know, itself uh, through Tokyo Sokwale. Yes, though, as you say, Solomon, that does look unlikely to happen. And I'm also getting a feeling that Sheikh Salman, the head of the Asian Football Confederation, is leading the race right now. But as we heard from Junior Binyam of CAF, there's still plenty of time to go before the elections. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on Facebook and on WhatsApp, tell us what do you think of Emmanuel Adebayor's move to Crystal Palace? The Togo great has joined Palace on a free transfer from fellow English Premier League club Tottenham for the rest of the season. But he hasn't played since May of last year. So is it a good move? And will Adebayor make an impact at Crystal Palace? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Our Twitter handle is at Planet Sport FA. The website, planetsportfootballafrica.com. Well, from Solomon Ashoms, from Stuart Weir in the UK, and me, Steve Vickers, in Kigali in Rwanda, where the quarterfinals of the African Nations Championship take place this weekend, thanks very much for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a Passion for Sport production.